Welcome to the Highland Gospel Mission, a podcast to all nations. Each week, Pastor Keith will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message from Highland Southern Baptist Church to the rest of the world. If you have a Bible, we encourage you to read along and study the Word for deeper understanding. Now, here's Pastor Keith with this week's message. If you would get your Bibles open up to the Gospel according to John, the Gospel according to John chapter 14. See how fast we move through this today. We started a little late, but they've got me in the Pope of five minutes early, so we'll see how this works out. I ain't making any promises letting me about early, though. One of the biggest problems with Christianity, and it's simple for us as individuals to get locked into this, and we do. I mean, even the people who are even the people who are Bible studiers and people who just hang on every word that God speaks, we, we all struggle with this, okay? It's really hard for us to separate friendship from responsibility. Friendship from responsibility. When individuals hear um, and and this concept has actually gotten so out of control that it's not only something that individuals believe, but it's also something that we see individuals out there damaging the system. And I'll just put it that way, damaging the system. The individuals who walk around and say things like, um, women can't wear pants and men can't have long hair, women can't have short hair, you can't have piercings, you can't have tattoos, you can't walk backwards. If your shirt shows your belly at all, you can't even stay at church. These lists of rules that individuals put out. And people, people. I mean, you can crush people under that pressure. I've seen it happen many, many times in my lifetime. I've seen it happen. Are we responsible to God? We are. Is God standing up there waiting for us to make a mistake so he can crack us between the ears? No, he's not. This, this may come as a, as a surprise to you, but it's the truth, and I can prove it to you. If you want to sit down sometime me to take you through this, I can prove it to you. When you cry, God's heart's broken. When you're happy, his heart leaps for joy. When you're faithful, he's proud of you. And when you fail, he forgives you. We don't serve a God who just rules with authority. We serve a God who chose to restore the relationship through beginning a relationship, and Jesus even uses the word friend. I want you to catch the gravity of this. I'm going to show you in just a little bit in chapter 15 where Jesus actually says that he has called us his friends. And what he says to follow that up is, everything that the Father has told me, I've withheld nothing from you. I've told you everything you need to know. You're my friends. In other words, you have people who are in your life or acquaintances, people who are friends, and people who just walk past during the day and don't get to know it all, right? Which one's actually going to watch out for you? An acquaintance, possibly. You may occasionally run past some random individual, on, but most, for the most part, individuals like to stay out of, their, out of, out of other, few, other, other people. I mean, people could be beat on the side of the road. I don't need to get involved. That's none of my business. That's usually the mentality of people. So, acquaintance? 
nobody that you know at all, or a friend? Which one is most likely going to watch out for your, for your well-being? Of course a friend is. A friend's going to watch out for your, for, for your well-being. He's going to watch out for your best interest. He's going to make sure that you are provided for. He's going to make sure that you have what it is that you, that you need. If you're not happy, he's, he's already given us everything we need to make us happy. If we are closed up, he is everything that opens us up. If we're, if we're individuals, this is something that we can walk through life knowing. Because here's what gets me. Do we pray to a real God? Now, I'm going to ask that question again, because I'm not asking you to answer that question in reality. I'm asking you to ask that question in practice. Do we pray to a real God? We pray to a real God. Do we pray to God like he's a real God? Do we humble ourselves before we even close our eyes? Do we realize that this God who is the creator of the universe, who is our friend, wants to hear from us? but he also wants us to hear from him. This is the relationship side of things. If if Christianity is about rules, then why do we need God in the first place? Aren't we capable of creating rules on our own? I mean, we seem pretty capable of being able to create a whole bunch of rules, even for ourselves and our own lives as we apply these things. So I want you to catch, when, when we start in chapter 14, I want you to catch the depth of, of the relationship, and I want to say emotion, but I prefer the word attachment. I want you to catch the attachment that Jesus has to his apostles, his disciples, because this is not somebody who is unconcerned about these individuals who have dropped their lives and followed him. He's absolutely concerned about them. Now, he knows in the previous chapter he just told them all that he's going to be taken into Jerusalem. I'm about to be arrested. I'm going to be killed. I'm paraphrasing. I'm going to be killed. I mean, you've been following this guy around for three and a half years. He has fed you when you were hungry. He has protected you when you were in danger. He has entertained you. You know it had to have been entertaining walking around with Jesus. It had to have been entertaining to walk around with Jesus. These people depended on him, and they depended on him to the extent that, I mean, they just, they just heard this guy who was the guy you dropped your entire life for three and a half years for, is leaving you. That's where the human being in us, friends don't leave friends. Right? I mean, especially when, especially when you're, you are so open to being killed by the Romans or killed by the Jews. You've known to be a person who's hung out with Jesus. Life just got hard for you, more dangerous for you, more difficult for you, and this friend is leaving. And Jesus, after he announced that's where their hearts were at. So take a look at chapter 14, verse 1, and look at the depth of the attachment that Jesus has to his apostles. Let not your heart be troubled, Believe in God, believe also in me. Wait a minute, these are apostles. Didn't they already believe in God? Well, they believed in God, but did they believe in God? Because if they believed that Jesus was who he said that he was, does Jesus necessarily have to be present with them in order to do the same things he's been doing for them already? He doesn't have to be present. 
He says, hey, I've, I've got to go take care of something. I'm, I'm going to build your house. That's where I'm going. I'm going to establish your eternity. Don't be sad. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, a lot of people like to say, and I'm going I'm to step off on a soapbox for, box for a second. This is one of the passages of Scripture, if you want to mark it, proves the Trinity. At least proves two parts of the Trinity. Okay? Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He's put God and him in the same category when it comes to believing. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, the belief is not the type of belief that says, you know, on an, on an established foundation, this is what I believe. This is, in practice in our life, what we believe is actually going to affect the result of everything that we do. In other words, you know, one, one of the go-tos is people who pass away. Tough situation? Hurt? Yeah, it hurts. Hopeless? No. That's how, that's how belief in God, belief in Christ, that's how it affects us. Um, these headaches, I may have them forever. I've said this a hundred times. These headaches, I may have them forever. God has the power to take them away, don't he? Doesn't he? He has the power to take them away. He has to take it away. Well, then that leads to a couple other questions. Is God cruel? Does he hate me? So then that just really leaves one thing. He's accomplishing his purpose somehow. I don't know how that is, but somehow he's accomplishing his purpose through my headaches. So should I be okay with having headaches? Yes, I should be okay with having headaches. Our belief in God is what gives us the ability to be able to say, I'm a little short this. I wonder if I could go to the, to the boat and maybe just double my money on one roll of the wheel. The belief in God says, hey, you're going to get taken care of, and it's not going to be the gambling boat that's going to do it. You see how this works? So belief in God means that he is interjected into every decision, thought, emotion that I have. This is the relationship that God wants us to have. Let not your heart be troubled. That is a concern for the center core of your emotional state. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. In God, is there anything that can't be forgiven aside from the un forgivable sin, which is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Is there any mistake that you can make that God won't forgive you for apart from blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? There's not. Believe it or not, folks, God doesn't want us to hurt. He wants other people to be saved. He doesn't want us as individuals to feel defeated. He wants us to understand that in Christ and what happened through Christ gave us victory. We don't have to live life as if we're defeated individuals. We get to live life as if we've won, because the fact is, we've won. And Jesus won it for us. I promise you this. You approach Christianity from the perspective of a relationship. A relationship that I can prove to you that God desires. Because again, if God desired forced compliance, would he have sent a baby? If he desired a heavy hand, would he have sacrificed his own son? 
could have done things many, many different ways. But how did he do it? He did it by proving that he loves us. And I say it in counseling all the time, folks. Love's not an emotion. Don't ever get caught in that trap. It's not an emotion. Love's a verb. When people come to me and they say, I just don't love her anymore. I just don't love him anymore. I'm like, that's obvious. You're not loving him anymore. And you're not loving her anymore. That's obvious. It's not a matter of, I don't feel ooey-gooey about them anymore. The ooey-gooey follows the love. The love is a verb. It's an action. We carry it out. God proved his love for us by the actions that he carried out. He proved that he was not basing this on some authoritarian, militaristic style worship. But he's establishing it and he's basing it on love. We all had a problem. And the problem was sin. And as human beings, we can't get rid of it. It's, we, it is impossible for us to shake. People say, well, maybe before I die, I won't be that bad of a guy. I ask you again, how much dirt can I put in a water bottle before you won't drink it? Once I put the dirt in a water bottle, can you take the dirt out of the water bottle? It's the only glass of water you got. The dirt's there. It can't come out. It doesn't matter how much you, you try to not get the water more dirty. What matters is all of our water's dirty. It wasn't forced compliance. I believe this was totally from the Holy Spirit. I had a guy one day walked up to me and he goes, he goes, uh, well, I don't believe that there is a God and I don't believe that you have the right to stand here and tell me that there is. I said, hey, I'm saying a word to you. I respect your right to go to hell. And ultimately we do have to respect people's right to go to hell, right? Jesus said, don't, don't throw your pearls before swine. That means we share the gospel with someone. They respond negatively to it. What's that on me? I'm not responsible for their choices. I'm just responsible for delivering the message that God sent me to deliver, which was I love you, and I proved it by giving my son for you. It's not heavy-handedness. If he wanted us just to be a bunch of robots, he could have made it that way. He could have. He could have made every one of us do exactly what he wanted us to do prevented us from ever doing anything bad but just like we were as parents he lets us learn how to walk and fall and crawl on our own he's always there to pick us up look at verse three and if i go prepare a place for you i will come again and receive you to myself that where i am there you may be also and you know the way where i'm going Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Here's what it is, folks. You know what the world has us focusing on? The world ha has us focusing on so many alternate routes to heaven. And even those of, of us who are Christians who believe in grace, we still allow our past sin to burden us in a way that God never intended it to burden us. When, when we are dealing with Christianity, we should be dealing with things from the context of God's purview. Not from a human purview. 
Jesus said to him, I am the, hey, we don't know where you're going. How do we know unless you tell us? Jesus is like, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. If you want to get to heaven and Jesus is getting ready to go there, what do you need to do? I watch him. Right? You watch him. I could probably preach an entire sermon on the I am the way, the truth, and the life. But I'll finish this verse with saying this. If you want to know the way, look to Jesus. If you want to know the truth, look to Jesus. And if you want eternal life, look to Jesus. Because in all three of those categories, there's nothing else on the planet that can provide those things to you. Nothing. And here's the deal. We all know. We know. Now, we may we could have experienced things in our lives that, that has turned us off from church and even church experiences inside the church. I've had several experiences turn me off from church just as I've been a pastor. We all have these experiences. But the question is this. Do you realize and do you remember? Anyone in here who's trusted in Christ, you remember. Anyone who hasn't, you're about to tell me that what I'm telling you is the truth. Our soul seeks fellowship with the one true God. Our soul seeks fellowship with the one true God. He's our creator. Now, are people always willing to admit that? No, they're not. But do you know what a person's soul does through their lifetime? If church is avoided, if God's avoided, the soul will search. And it will try to find a substitute. And it will look in every nook and cranny that it can find. But everything that it looks at, apart from the one thing that can satisfy it, will never bring about the peace. Will never bring about the expected circumstance, the expected consequence. You know, I went to this, and I got to tell you, folks, I went to that conference. I kind of gave you a little bit of a heads up on how the experience was. But I can tell you that I did walk away with this. My happiness, the things that I used to define my life, when you think about all of the things that we allow to get in, and you know what I mean by get in. The things that get in that discourage us from picking our Bible up every day. The things that get in that even sometimes will cause you to go to bed at night and close your eyes and go to sleep, and then you realize the next morning you didn't pray. We are making this to Southern term, cotton-picking hard. And I'm not saying the church to exist in a community. I'm talking about us as individuals being a part of it. We're making this too hard. It's really very simple. Did you know that most of what the Bible teaches us is self-maintenance? But it's self-maintenance that has a positive effect on other people. That's the entire point. 
Most of the Bible is self-maintenance. We see the commands that God gives, and he does give them. But if I'm a friend of God, I'm going to listen to what it is that he has to say. I'm going to have a desire to listen to what it is that he has to say. So if he's the one, then if he's the one that can show me the way, and he's the one that can show me the truth, and he's the one that can provide me with life, then why in the world would I waste any time at all on anything else? For most of us who are believers, we've experienced life in Christ and a life and life from apart from Christ. And I want to ask you a serious question. Life, when it comes to your relationships and it comes to the overall enjoyment of life, better or worse with God in it? Hands down, there is absolutely no doubt to the answer to that question. Hands down. Verse 7, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and it's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the father. How do you say, show us the father? I'm going to stop here. You think that this is a pretty common mistake? Do you think that this is, because let's look again at what at, at what um, was said here. So we have uh, verse 7, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and there's enough for us. Look at 9 and pay close attention to it. Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? How well do you know you're Jesus? If you met Jesus in the aisle in Walmart and he was in modern day clothes, would you recognize him? How many of you guys know people by some strange characteristic? It's like, you know, I, I've, at, at night, a lot of times people come in and out the door and sometimes there are people that don't come to church. Just a heads up. I can stand or in the basement, and when somebody comes in that door, all I can see is from here down. How often do you think I can tell who it is when they walk in the door just in from here down? Pretty good at it. Why? Why do I think I'm pretty good at telling who it is if I see it from here down? Because we pay attention. How many of you guys have noticed that I'm wearing black tennis shoes? What, one of you is paying attention? We just, we, we really don't. And it's something we've got to wire ourselves to do. It's something we have to, we have to be people who are very, if we want to know who our Jesus is, if we want to know what our Jesus wants us to do in our lives, then we certainly had better know him. And we better know him personally. How embarrassing for Jesus to ask him that question. Have I been so long with you and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? And his answer here is not, we're going to get to it here in a minute, but Jesus' response to this almost makes it sound like Jesus was saying that he was the father. 
Jesus wasn't saying that he was the Father, but I'm going to explain this. This is the this is that Trinitarian concept that we're kind of getting into a little bit here. Um, so in verse 10, he says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Now, Jesus has given us an exact example and model for what our lives are supposed to manifest in Christianity. Now, who did Jesus, what did Jesus say? He said, those the words I speak, I do not speak on my own initiative, but what, who, who, whose initiative? The Father who is abiding in me does his works. This is the exact same relationship that we're supposed to have with the Father. We're not the second person of the Trinity. Jesus is. But he's using the example of the relationship. And within the same passage of Scripture, his desire is that we have a relationship with him or with one another, just like Jesus has a relationship with the Father. This relationship is something that's supposed to, it, it's manifested through the Father and Christ to us, and it's something that we are supposed to be manifesting from the Father, Christ, Holy Spirit to us, to other individuals that, that we're around. And the concept of friendship, just how much is that being talked about out there? How much out there are you hearing people say, God, the creator of the universe, wants to be your friend? Have you ever heard an approach like that? Other people want to come to, you're going to go to hell if you don't accept Jesus. July, I think it's hot here. God's not given us responsibilities as Christians to hurt each other. He's given us responsibility as Christians to encourage and help each other. That means I need you to teach me and you need me to teach you. That means I'm going to learn some lessons that you're going to you're going to get to experience the result of. You're going to make some some mistakes that I get to learn the experience of. We come together as a church when you're having a bad day and I'm having a good day. I should be shaking your hand or hugging your neck and at least walking by and saying, "Hey, I'm going to pray for you." And whatever's going on, God's big enough to take care of it. But in order for us to do this, what do we have to do? Pay attention. We have to pay attention. Is it really that hard to see when somebody's hurting? Not just paying attention. Not just paying attention. How easy is it to walk right by someone if you're not paying attention who, ne who needs our attention? Something just came to me the other day. It's, how many of you guys have ever done something that cost you something and it irritated you? How dare, you know, so-and-so should be at least covering my losses, Right? I think we've all been there. Amen? And in some cases, I would even say that it's something you should probably argue a fight over. In most cases, do you think it's something we should argue a fight over? No. What did God put us here for? To glorify Him. We glorify Him by what? Sacrificing to help people. So, this goes along with this, folks. This relationship thing. We actually believe that somebody giving us a monetary sum is better than what God could give us for being faithful and obedient and sacrificing and helping others. Isn't that true when we get aggravated? Because we feel like we've been stiffed? Because we helped somebody with something and it cost us something? What do you put us here for? To help people. 
Jesus, I mean, do you think that God up there said, hey, um, there's three of us walking around here. I know I've got some angels. I need a volunteer. How many of you honestly think there was any part of the Trinity going, oh, oh, me, me. I want to give up my throne, me. I want to give up eternity. I want to give up immorality. I want to give up absolute perfection. I want to go down and live on a rotten, dirty, sinful, stinking earth for 33 and a half years. And then as if that's not pleasant enough, they're going to nail me to a tree until I asphyxiate to death. Ooh, please, put me at the front of the line. The father asked Jesus to do something that was unpleasant. He did. And you say, well, what did Jesus get out of it? According to the Bible I read, it says he was, he was restored to his place at the right hand of the Father. The benefit to it was all of us either get to make the choice to spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell. And probably the biggest heartbreaking part of that is a lot of people who will go to hell will spend their entire lifetime mad at a God that they have spent their entire lifetime misunderstanding. Because somebody didn't do God any favors by the way they represented him to the people in the world. It's important for us folks as individuals to understand that even though I look at myself and say, there are a lot of rules that need to be applied to me. Those aren't rules that depend on my salvation. It shouldn't depend on my happiness. Those are rules that depend on the how effective I even have the ability to minister to you. And I can tell you, there is no greater you will never sleep in your life like the night that you sleep when you come to the understanding that your God is your buddy. He's your buddy. Verse 12 says, Truly, truly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. I told you all before, I believe that I know what this is. Jesus spent his entire 33 and a half years representing the Father to the population of the earth. Do you know what two things he never got to do? He never got to share the gospel when salvation was available. And he never baptized a soul. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. You tell me what... what 
Jesus could be talking about when he says greater works than these? What was he talking about? I mean, he has, he has healed a lame man who's been lame his entire life. He's healed a, bland, a blind man who's been blind his entire life. He, he has rubbed mud in some dude's eyes, that, that dude's eyes, in order for him to regain his sight. There were individuals unreported in the Bible, many, many historical accounts of Jesus walking around performing these miracles. People, greater works than these he will do? Tell me something. Do you think there's a greater work on the planet than the salvation of a lost soul? That's the greatest work on the planet. Um, Baptism. I believe, I believe as a church, I see the Big C Church, we've done a terrible job of letting people know what baptism represents. There is, there is baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the day you place your trust in Jesus Christ. It happens automatically. Then there's a the symbol of baptism, which represents the relationship that we have with Jesus. If you guys remember, I mean, I hit, hit the relationship a lot, the whole ring thing. If I take this ring off, am I not married anymore? I'm still married, right? I choose to wear this. You know why I choose to wear this? Because it shows I belong to someone. So unless I'm just going to be completely forward, I'm just going to tell them, sorry, ladies, this isn't available. It's been taken 29 years. The relationship, is it has to be important. It has to be represented. It has to be manifested. Because that's what people are going to see People are, that's what has given people the opinion that they have now about Christianity, is they've been around way too many people out there misrepresenting God. There is not one person who can be mean as a Christian and can sit down with the Bible and prove to me where they were given the command to do so. Thirteen says, and whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He didn't say, if you keep my commandments, I'll love you. Do you notice what he said? If you love me, if you love me, the result of my love for Jesus is what? We have cardinal rules of commands that we follow all the time. Gentlemen, how many of your women are, uh, are not fond of adultery? Don't want to see it happen in your life. Don't want to see, it, don't want to see their husband do that. I mean, is there, and, and why, why is it that we suppress that? Why is it if, if there's an opportunity that we suppress it? But, well, of course, because we don't want to hurt the people we love. We don't want to hurt the people we have relationships with, right? So at the core of it, if we remember the relationship, then we know exactly why we're doing what we're doing. And as a Christian, I don't do what I do so that God may love me. I do what I do because God loves me. You see the difference? If we get this twisted, if we get it backwards, then we see individuals living miserable lives 
because they can't meet the standard. When Romans 3.23 told us that a long time ago. All have sinned. How many? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The mark where God put it is unreachable by human means alone. Everybody needs Jesus to get us over the bar. I'm going to jump down so I can close and not keep you guys late. <clears throat> Look down at verse 12. I'm going to read 12, 13, 14, and 15. This is my commandment. I'm sorry, chapter 15, verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay his life down for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. In other words, he's not saying, do what I command you and you'll be my friend. He's saying that if I am your friend, if you love me, if we have this relationship, then what I say to you should matter. It should matter. If we put God in a place where he gives the best advice, he gives the best life, he gives the best experiences, he gives the best in anything, why do we always go to a second best source for our satisfaction? You know, as Christians, it's not about the responsibility. Is the responsibility there is. I mean, is, how is that any different than the responsibility you have at a job? And the whole reason the responsibility is put there is what? So that you're productive, right? Productive in what? Productive in whatever the business is. Well, what business are we in as Christian as, in, as Christians? We're in kingdom business. So we do have responsibilities. But God's not standing behind us with a whip cracking it. He's not. He'll give you a job to do and he'll let you walk right past it and not do it. Because he'll let us make those choices. When we realize that God is our friend, and only you can say whether he is or not. When you realize that God is your friend, that he genuinely hurts when you hurt, that he rejoices when you rejoice, that brings this relationship to a whole new level. Because at that point, God becomes something other than just some abstract being who's an authoritarian who's looking for opportunities to crack us over the head. How does that make him any different, really, than any other God? He loves us. Proved it. Multiple times he's proved it. And ultimately now he just says, hey, 
You're going to look at life and you're going to look at me as to whether this is a religion, man's attempt to reach God, or this is a relationship, God's attempt to reach man. And I promise you folks, theologically, absolutely provable. God intended us to live the life that was the result of him reaching down to us. The relationship. He was the one who walked across the dance floor to ask us to dance when no one else would. He's the one that asked us out on a date when we felt like nobody wanted us. He's the one, when we did things that were even offensive and we felt like that we were all alone, didn't care what anybody else thought, he'd sit down at the table and talk to you. Relationship. A real one. If you're a believer, I just hope you walk out of here encouraged today and that it resets. Your your viewpoint, the way you're looking at things in life, I hope it resets everything. If you're here today and you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, I'm going to prove something else to you. And I can promise you this is going to happen, okay? I ain't going to promise because I'm not somebody who tells the Holy Spirit what to do. Um, you hear me say quite often, if you, if you feel God tug on your heartstrings, I can promise you he's not going to slap you in the back of the head. He's not going to slap you in the face. He's not going to punch you in the stomach. He's going to tug on your heartstrings, and he's going to say, hey, you know I'm real. What are we waiting for? I can ask nothing more for believer and non-believer alike than for you to just listen for God during this invitation time. And if you hear him, yes, Lord. That's our only response. Yes, Lord. If you need to talk to me about it, I will take whatever time is necessary. The length of time I talk to you won't save you, but I can take the time, whatever time is necessary, to make sure that I clearly introduce you to the one who can. But either way, walk out of this place today knowing without a doubt that God loves you. That he cares about everything about you. And that he wants nothing more than for you to live the fullest life that he is capable of giving. Thanks again for listening. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, discipleship, or if you have prayer requests, you can visit us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. Have a blessed week and go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Highland Gospel Mission was produced by Zach Link with preaching by Keith Perrin. Music provided by Pixabay under Creative Commons.